Welcome to The Swifterhood, a podcast all about Taylor Swift's lyrical genius. Whether you've known from her debut album that she's had a place in this world, or her folklore has become your evermore recently. We are here to faithfully and wholeheartedly deconstruct each song, lyric by lyric. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. It's midnight. Woo! <laughs> I don't know why I decided to do that. <laughs> I don't know. Can I ask you a question? Go ahead. Have you ever had someone kiss you in a crowded room? Okay, so <laughs> welcome. <laughs> welcome to season three of The Swifterhood. Um, this is our bonus ac- episode. Erin uh, and I have held off for 10 days without talking about this album as it was released on October 21st at midnight and then seven more songs at 3 a.m. And we have spent, sent a few texts here and there and we've dropped some hints when we've hung out, but we have not fully discussed this album. So we decided it would be really fun to do it on an episode, a bonus episode. So this is going to be a very different format than you're used to. We're doing it live for the first time. It was really yeah. hard not to talk to each other about the songs. And that doesn't mean that we didn't see each other. No, it does not mean So that. I hope you all respect that we had <laughs> some semblance of self-control for all this time because the listeners know we went out for Halloween. Yes, and we did not talk about Midnight's at all. We actually even played different music when we got home and ha- hung out because we knew that if we started playing the album, we were going to start talking about it. Mm-hmm. And you've been collecting the records. I have. Even though you don't have a record player. Even I don't have a record player. <laughs> that will come in time. <laughs> My Midnight's record arrived yesterday. I know. Mine hasn't arrived yet. Um, but I'm very excited. I was very excited to see it on the kitchen table when I walked in today. So how do you want to start? I think the best way to start is what time did you listen to this album? Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like when and where. Yeah. So I stayed up till midnight because I did that thing again where I was dumb and was thinking Friday, Friday, like Friday night. No, it's Thursday. So I was on dorm duty and I think I realized like that afternoon, oh my God, it's so much sooner than I thought. Well, I had to stay up late for dorm duty anyway. So I was done at like 1130. So I was like, well, might as well stay up. And so I laid on my couch like I did, I think for the last two albums. Did you listen to the whole thing in its entirety? I did two times because the whole thing at that point was 45 minutes. Right. So so it was at midnight when it was released. So you. Yes. And you didn't know. Okay. so when I first listened to the album, it was different because I like I always do went to bed before midnight (laughs) and knew that I couldn't enjoy it until I was able to be by myself and listen to it. And I was at a conference. And I knew that I needed to go to bed early enough so that I could wake up and be normal and human at this conference. So I did not listen to it until noon the following day. I know. I don't know how you did this because I was messaging you and you're like, I still haven't got to listen to it yet. I was like, "Ah, how are you doing that? So I woke up the day after and I was messaging one of our listeners and they were like, would you think of the 3 a.m. version? I can't believe you didn't find that out. So, Erin, I woke up at seven o'clock that morning. Uh Uh-huh. And had the news that she'd also released seven more songs at 3 a.m. Where do you get your news from? (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I got an alert. Okay. 
or no instagram actually it might have been a friend i cannot remember exactly but i found out before so my first experience of listening actually had the 20 songs not just the 13 it's crazy so i listened to them two times through the night it was released then woke up and immediately as soon as i woke up checked taylor swift's instagram as one does okay because that's that's the life that we live yes so and there was nothing yeah there was there nothing no but anti-hero the music video oh yeah yeah. so i watched that and then Mm -hmm. i was like cool great i'm so excited to go on my on my day and like listen to the whole album 13 songs (laughs) yeah and then the (laughs) listener's like uh what do you think of 3 a.m version i was like what the fuck i know leave it to taylor and it's not it wasn't just it wasn't just like two bonus tracks it was like a full from the vault on this album well of course this is a genius strategy right Right. because then let's talk about that why do you think she did it this way well okay so i did some investigating as far as the thursday nights go okay and it turns out that has to do with the billboard um, oh top 100 like i thought you were going to talk about investigating about why she did it this way no no i think it's pretty obvious because at midnight she was going to get a lot of streams and then while people were already up if she says 3 a.m surprise if people are already up listening to the music, they're like, might as well stay up. And plus, there are people in different time zones, you know? But, I, but it's also because... Then they're going to listen to it again. But it's because she didn't release... So I think I'm, I think she's a bit more savvy than that. And she's not, she's not intending to have... I mean, Midnight's is the album that's going to be up for Grammy of the... Like, record of the year. Not the 3 a.m. stuff. Like Midnight's is going to be the one and that's the cohesive sound and that's the concept album. The 3 a.m. is like from the vault that came like the, the afterthoughts of Red, the afterthoughts of Fearless. So they're the songs that she produced with different people, not Jack Antonoff, but Desner and other people. And so those seven songs are not going to be included in the canon. That is Midnight's that's going to be up for all the awards. Okay. That's my thought. OK, because 3 a.m. is not Midnight, right? Right. 3 a.m. is very different than Midnight Taylor. We know that from her past nine albums well and i didn't put this together but i wonder about i agree with you about like the cohesiveness and you know wanting to have a complete sound and having a certain narrative but it does make me want to look back at like the last songs and like are they 3 a.m songs like are they well i think we can talk about that Mm -hmm. and that's why we're here we'll get to that yay so let me ask you this then do you think that it accomplishes its goal of a concept album Yes, I do. Although I think some of the ideas are kind of, they could be things you think about at midnight. They could just be things you think about. You know, there are definitely some songs that are some ruminating thoughts, things that keep you up at night. But I guess I mean some of the love songs. The first time I heard the album, of course, what you're going to, like your brain, the way it processes information is it categorizes information. Mm -hmm. So the first time you hear it, what am I thinking? Is this... What is this sound? What does this sound like? What is this compared to in Taylor mm-hmm. Swift's other dis- discography? And I think that for me, because of my like, I was so late to the game on 1989, but I f- fell head over heels in love with it when I finally could wrap my head around it. I feel like Midnight's to me sounds closest to 1989, but I know that there's a lot of people that disagree with that. Okay, so that you're talking about the sound now, yeah, not sound. does it work as a cohesive? Oh, sorry, no, I didn't. Question. So, yeah, sorry. There's two different things. So let's. Sorry, I'll go back to the concept part of things, and then we can talk about the sound. The reason I brought up the sound first is because that's what I heard first, mm-hmm. and then I was thinking about the lyrics as the concept. So I guess I probably should have asked you first what you thought of the sound because 
that's how you would think about that's it. how you would think about it the first time through right right yeah you're totally right my brain was like what what's this what's happening the first thought i had was like if false god were the sound of an album so you think it's more of a lover um not necessarily that's the first thought i had and then okay. going through it i hear elements of a lot of different things and I have theories about that and i want to talk about it it does have its own sound but maybe less so than other albums. It has its own unique sound for sure. But yeah. the more I listen to it, the more I hear pieces of other. Oh, for sure. Like she, I mean, it's definitely the sound is building off of her other albums, except for the fact that it's truly a Jack Antonoff album. Mm-hmm. Like there's, and no I love de- everything he does. Yeah. So there's no denying the fact that Jack Antonoff is the second creator of this album. Yeah. Like, and he's amazing. He's amazing. But he, you know, like you hear him mm-hmm. throughout this entire album. In the production. In the production. Yeah. So like I said, so I heard, I was thinking about sound first and I was thinking about how it was a more, I thought, I, th- I hear it as a more de- developed 1989 because even the sad songs on this album still have the pop beats that don't make you feel so depressed like some of her ballads because there's not there's not a ballad on this album i think the closest we could get to a ballad is like maroon there's Mm -hmm. not like a a song that just makes you weep there are songs that make me weep but it's not the music element that makes me weep if that makes sense it's the Mm -hmm. lyrics that make me weep yes it does make sense i know what you're saying so then going to the concept album i think that once i was able to get past like of what i was trying to categorize it as a sound it all made sense because I was able to like listen to each song individually and think about, okay, I've had thoughts that resonate to the thoughts that she's portraying in each song. And this is mm-hmm. the one midnight that I woke up and, li- and thought of this. This was the one midnight that I woke up and thought of this. This is the one midnight that I woke up and thought of this. And so to me, it was a very cohesive, it is a very cohesive concept album because it, it accomplishes what it was supposed to by giving you specific moments that she woke up to at a midnight and was thinking about in such a sense that like some of the lyrics just don't make sense because she's in that dream state. She said that the concept of this album was basically the thoughts that keep you up at night. And she actually said that it was her writing prompt and how she started to work on the album. So I wanted to read for you. I saw this on Instagram. There were questions someone posted on Reddit about what questions would define each Taylor album. And someone listed these. So debut is, can I ever find what I've been searching for? Fearless, do fairy tales exist in the real world? Speak now. Is it better to regret what you say or what you didn't say? Red, will passion always end in heartbreak? 1989, what does it mean to be free and independent? Reputation, are we defined by other people's opinion of us? Lover, how can we have healthy relationships when we are so hurt and flawed? Folklore. What power do stories and storytellers have over us? Evermore. How can endings be turned into new beginnings? Midnights. What new perspectives can reliving our memories give? Yeah, but I think that by, by, I mean, those are very interesting thoughts to have and and nice like theses for each album. But then I think it's, it's basically saying that all of her albums are a concept album. And I disagree with that statement. You don't think so? You don't think there's a guiding idea for the overall album? You think she just has random songs? And yeah, then... I mean, look at Red. Red is the most incohesive album I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah. Like, there's not, 
like there's no string that no invisible string that are holding those songs together well apparently she's the mastermind <laughs> yeah there are some things in this album where i'm like you're you kind of contradict things that you've said in the past which i'm sure we'll get to at those points in the but songs in the songs but, when we do that individual show but, but it's fair that your opinion would also change yeah well but i think that that goes that's why i think that this is such a the a layer on it is the reason is it is a concept album is because she's li- literally re-recording all of her past music and so the reason why some of this sounds so familiar mm-hmm. is because she's living in her diaries essentially her songs reimagining them from a 16 year sometimes different perspective mm-hmm. and because of that perspective she's now looking at that same situation in a completely different way which is why we listen to these songs on midnights and are like this is eerily familiar yeah but that's because she's living in her re-records just like we be- have been living in her discography for 16 years right so that goes beautifully into my theory about this album because okay. The question that keeps me up at night is like, how was this made? Like, how? I mean, with what was the lines. process? With a <laughs> like, you saw those pictures that she posted, right? I think she had like an individual bottle for herself in one of those pictures. <laughs> 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 Which more power to her. She also talks about screw tap rosé. Like, she is living in the wine it, moment. She talks about cheap wine all for, the time. Yeah. And I, I, like, what is your version of cheap wine, Taylor? I know. Well, sh- screw tap rosé. That's her version of Tweet Pine. <laughs> I was with my friend recently and she had just listened to the album. I, you were there when I talked with her about this um, because I was like, uh, your cheap ass screw top rosé when we were drinking together like a couple nights before we saw you. Oh, yeah. And then you and I started quoting that to her and she was like what and i was like oh my god she didn't know i was quoting taylor swift she, she thought, thought i was you- just calling her wine cheap <laughs> but we had just been talking about the album and she said my cheap wine or something like that and you quoted a song for she said that scr- had just heard the album for the she first said time cheap screw top she said something very similar oh, yeah god. and she had just listened to it that day and that's what i thought and then i was like no 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 insults intended but anyways my th- my thoughts on how this was made and what was the process and all of that. Um, first of all, I think we need to note that it's a really big deal for her to be writing from first person perspective again, like mm-hmm. directly doing that. So my first listen through my brain was like, you know, processing what is the sound of this? Like, what's the overall idea and what's going on in each of the songs? And also, like, where did these come from? Like, right. so much information coming at me. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, as you listen more, you get you sift through it. You get more clarity. Yeah. So my perspective, like about a week out is that I think she had the idea. I think she had the idea for this album and maybe had had a song that she had written about her past or something like that. And she decided to take songs that she had from previous eras and some of them kind of like rework or rewrite. And I think some of them were written currently and i'll tell you as we go through them if i remember um i will tell you what i think are songs from more recently like that were written explicitly for this album and which ones i think were from other albums that are reworked yeah no i think when i initially saw her announcement for this album i was thinking along those lines and i think it might i think what i just said as well as like her perspective on things that we've already heard about kind of it falls right in line with what you're saying but i think 
when I when she made the initial announcement, I really did believe that it was going to be a collection of songs from the vaults of all the albums that mm. she was putting together. Mm-hmm. And and now I don't believe that as much as a, as more of a like um like a continuation of those so- original songs that she is now, like I said, looking at from a 32 year old woman as woman as opposed to a 19 year old girl. Right, right. And I think that she had a couple concept songs that really guided what would the sound of the album be and what would the adult perspective be. And then she took those songs, reworked them and added elements of the sound of the inspirational songs for the sound of the album and like made those as through lines throughout the album. Like there's certain sounds that you hear oh, for sure. like, that come back. The Ed, who is it? Sad Egg. What's it? What did she call him? <laughs> I don't know. I think that the voice you hear, I think for the first time in Midnight Rain, and then he, she that voice comes back. It's like that sounds like a man. Yeah, it's not. It's her just as a sound mix, and I think she labeled it like something Ed. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think it's important. Now we move on to what your initial first song was. Uh, oh, 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 sorry. Along with that theory, one last thing: there oh, yeah. are sounds that are reminiscent of past albums that I think she intentionally included on certain songs to give us a time period of when that song. Like okay. what era that song is kind of. Well, we always we know that from. she's intentional with everything. She oh, does, yeah. So. So first thoughts of the album. Is that what you asked me? First. What was your first favorite song? Oh. Karma. OK. Why? Um, <laughs> because, you know, what's weird is I don't usually have a first favorite. It takes me forever. I never I never have a favorite. So you got to number 11 and that new as soon as you heard it as soon as i heard it i was like this is it and it's because it's taylor's revenge you know like not revenge so much as just like it all comes back around also like her fucking with us a little bit i like that uh (laughs) i I like the idea that like everyone who screwed her over like it comes back around and just like the overall idea of like just keep doing what you think is right I think I think as well as it's a jam. Well, that's I think what was pleasantly surprising about Karma and I will definitely say it was not my initial first favorite and I'll still say it's not my favorite right now. It's a great song, though. I don't there's not a song I dislike on this album. So I but I what I really like about Karma is that I think all of us fans, well, at least me, so I shouldn't be speaking for everyone. But when I thought of like, you know, the infamous Karma that has been floating around in the Taylor universe, you you think of something dark like her bleach blonde era. And instead this was took karma and completely flipped it and made it happy. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah. It's like the, it's the same feeling as it's almost the same feeling as this is why we can't have nice things, which I love. So my favorite first song, which is surprising because it was number two is maroon. That was my first, like, I love this song. I need to, I'm going to rewind it. Mm-hmm. Once I get to the end of this album, I'm going to start with that one mm-hmm. again, because that was my favorite one. But that has, it hasn't changed much. I still fucking love that song, but it has been replaced with other favorites. So okay. what's your current favorite? It, I think it's Bejeweled. Okay. Because, uh, I don't know, it's a relatable feeling in a long-term relationship, no matter how great your partner is, right? And then it's also super upbeat and fun, and I just can't stop singing it or get it out of my head. Yeah, it's, it's stuck in my head a lot, too. As far as anti-hero goes, or anti-hero, whichever which way you say it, 
it's a, a really good single. For once, she got it right. <laughs> I mean, all her songs are good, right? They are, but, but like, I mean, she nailed the single. Mm-hmm. And Bejeweled does a single. Yes, she nailed it. Finally. It's great. I'm so happy with it. Yay, I just want to be like, Taylor, you're ver- you have grown up and realized what we need. Yeah. Not, you know, me. I have to call you out, though, because I wanted to protect your favorite songs on the album. And I did so. And I did so with guts. You did. And then you would not predict my favorite songs on the album because you were scared of being wrong. I know. I when know. does that ever happen to you? With you, I just was like, this is so delicate. <laughs> I'm so proud. <laughs> I'm so proud. <laughs> what? Our roles are reversing. What's happening with that? I don't know. Me being brave and like, Morgan's going to like this, this and this and having like a firm opinion and then you making a corny pun. The really interesting thing about the thing, the ones that you guessed where they were not my initial favorite, but now they are. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's to me really interesting because and I wonder if part of my like psyche was like, Aaron doesn't know me, (laughs) so I'm not going to like these. And I will say immediately, like antihero is one of like is is fucking gives me chills i cry it it's like the man but i won't admit that it's my favorite because it's the single if that makes sense Mm -hmm. like because everyone around the world knows because you're an enneagram four and you have to be a unique butterfly (laughs) other otherwise known as a sagittarius yes so my first favorite right now is yo yo k (laughs) yo yo k you're on your own kid yes well do you want to know what the listeners thought would be our favorite songs yes i do okay but, so, we, so that's my that and mastermind are my favorites right now and i think they're going to maintain that those spots you think so yes it's so hard to pick I, like that's why on this quiz uh, so we did a survey to the listeners you can still go take it and we'll hopefully still use your thoughts for different things as we go through but I wanted to get it out before we started recording so we could look at what people thought our did, favorites would be. And what did they think? Well, first of all, I didn't limit it to one response. Oh, so, <laughs> Well, that's okay because I had two. Because, of course, I can't just pick one. I have to have two. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so predictions for your favorite songs. I'm going to read what were like 60% votes. Okay. The Great War and You're On Your Own Kid. Okay. Well, so people were pretty damn close. After that, it's like split a lot between Maroon, Midnight Rain, Question, Labyrinth, Karma, Mastermind, and Would Have, Could Have, Should Have. So it's kind of all over the place, but the highest ones were those that I said. And what were yours? Uh, oh, my. Oh, wow. Did they nail you? <laughs> no, but Paris, okay, with like 80%, and the other one is you're on your own kid okay well interesting that we got voted two songs that would be in our top mm-hmm. i would think people would think you're on your own kid would hit for me because i like the childhood you songs. do and that's why originally i thought that first for you but i think it's a different type of childhood song well but we don't need to get we'll it we'll make sense of it later but the storyline i still haven't pieced that song together can oh i have and can i just tell you Ooh. right now you know how we feel you and I collectively feel about bridges. There are two of the best fucking bridges she has ever written on this album and they are on mastermind and you're on your own kid. Okay. I'm so excited to get into the details with you. Yeah. Okay. So those are our favorites right now. We haven't really touched on the three AMs yet. No, 
But do you want to talk about the records that this album broke? Because we're talking about the record overall. I mean, I feel like everyone knows about the records that they broke. I do don't... you think so? Okay, well, how about the fact that she, like most records sold of 2022 in less than a day? Well, how about the fact that she's the first artist to ever hold the top 10? Drake had nine in the top 10. She's the first person ever. Living in her feelings like Drake. And then all the streaming records and all the things. So you don't care. You don't want to get into it. No, because I think that if you're listening to this podcast, you already know about this information. <laughs> Maybe. Unless you're just I think listening. the reason that people are listening to this podcast is they, like us, like to hear other people's opinions, other fans' opinions that are just as like, you know, up there, you know, take this as seriously as they do. So if you take it as seriously as we do, you already know that the records that she broke. Yeah. That's like my stepdad was sending me those things yesterday and i was like like he sent me oh yeah did you see that taylor's touring at like 2 p.m yesterday i was like okay fed i've been in the fucking queue <laughs> so it's 8 30 i had to pull over on the side of the road when aaron texted me <laughs> oh my god yeah no so yesterday let's great that you brought yeah. that up yesterday i woke up and i was like checking because i thought we might have word of a tour and then i had to start getting ready for work as one does yeah i was too and so as I was getting ready for work is when she announced it. And then I get to the all faculty meeting. Okay. The head of our school is talking and my friend, Emily, who's a serious Swifty as well, goes, did you see the announcement? And I start immediately like having a panic attack. And then I'm like trying to pretend like I'm listening to him. Hope um, there's no way he's listening to this podcast so we're in the clear <laughs> i'm just trying to like look at my phone and get in this queue and it's like crashing and crashing and yes and then i couldn't focus and i was supposed to go lead a reaccreditation meeting my brain was not there i know i luckily did not have court yesterday so she you all know that she has those three different categories uh-huh and i had our listeners sort the songs into categories so the, some of the listeners probably cheated because taylor has released playlists that I didn't know she that. did categorize them. Mm-hmm. I don't have Apple Music I into Spotify. fountain pen songs, quill songs, and glitter gel songs. Do you remember what those each mean? Do you want me to go into that real quick? It, go through it because I'm sure you have it prepared and ready. Yeah. So she, Taylor Swift said that her fountain pen songs are um, that most of her lyrics fall under this category, which is true for this album. They're modern personal stories written like poetry about those moments you remember all too well, where you can see, hear, and feel everything in screaming detail. These songs focus on brutally honest confessions about love and loss. So that included all too well. Then there's the quill pen songs. According to Taylor, these songs make you feel, quote, all old-fashioned, like you're a 19th century poet crafting your next sonnet by candlelight. She said these songs have antiquated language that would look at home in a Charlotte Bronte novel or a letter written by Emily Dickinson's great-grandmother. If you're a fan of her pandemic albums, um, those are probably your quill pen enthusiasts. Yes. Because those sister records dominate most of those playlists. And then lastly, the glitter gel pen songs. Those are the ones that have lyrics that make you want to dance, sing, and toss glitter around the room. They remind you not to take yourself too seriously, which is something we all need to hear these days. Um, She said this category is, quote, frivolous, carefree, bouncy, comparing it to the drunk girl at the party who tells you that you look like an angel in the bathroom. So. (laughs) (laughs) Of course she wrote that. I know. She's so good at expressing herself. So the fountain pen songs, which she did admit most of her songs are made up of fountain pen songs, are, do you want me to go into them now? Yes. Yeah. Lavender Haze, Maroon, You're On Your Own, Kid, 
Midnight Rain, Labyrinth, Sweet Nothing, and Question. The Quill songs are Antihero, Snow on the Beach, and Mastermind, and the Glitter Gel are Bejeweled and Karma. So we all know that, I guess, uh, Aaron is a Glitter Gel pen. Wait, what it, did you read Vigilante shit? <laughs> is it not on the list? Oh, no. So she didn't include it in any of the playlists. And I think that maybe it's, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe she doesn't think it fits into those categories because it's more of a spoken word as opposed to a song. I'm not sure. So we haven't really talked much about the 3 a.m. songs, which they are drastically different, in my opinion, than the Midnight's. And so much so that I, I find myself listening to them less than the Midnight's songs. Yeah, which I think is weird because... You are such a fan of Aaron Dessner. I am such a fan of Aaron Dessner, but I think I was fucking ready for Pop Taylor to come back. Mm-hmm. I think I, after being in this pandemic mm-hmm. and having the Aaron Dessner songs resonating through my blood, I needed something to take me out of the glum and bring me back to 1989 era, reputation era, woman on top era, mm-hmm. dancing, having fun, ref- like being rebellious right so it's really interesting because i had someone say to me that they think that this album is a better pandemic album than folklore and evermore were uh to which i strongly disagree i also disagree and so what's interesting i did tell you this already but my husband had a really good response for that as a mental health professional what did he say (laughs) Because I've been showing him like, a, at first I started off with one song a day. I'd be like, please, just one song. Look at the lyric video. Really listen. And then, you know, by now he's heard all of it. And so he was saying basically that Folklore and Evermore are more pandemic albums. One, because they were written in the pandemic. And they came out during the pandemic. And two, because they feel more sad. And they feel like someone who's going through depression, like as it's happening. Well, hands down. I mean, that's exactly, you know, she she could capitalize on that sound because we were all going through that exact moment. There's very few times in the world where every single person is feeling the exact same thing. (laughs) We're all feeling depressed (laughs) as hell. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Whereas he was saying that with um, Midnight's, it's the perspective of someone who is more healed from that mental health and they're looking back and reflecting on it. Oh, for sure. I think that this album shows, like, I, I think I've said this in more words and more times. I, it's the same point that mm-hmm. I keep getting across, but she has totally gone to therapy, self reflected, and these are the more mature versions of her other pieces of work. I love it. I mean, you don't say things like, covert narcissism unless you no. work through some real shit <laughs> you know and it's or yeah she, or ruminating like the fact that she said that which is a term that's you know it means like you have reoccurring thoughts that keep coming up that you can't stop like and i think um yeah and i think that that just is why i fucking latched onto this album and it's so brilliant so i want to just i want to ask you a couple like do you think this album is better than 1989 why are you gonna do that to me because I think it's a fair question. Do you? Yes. You do? I do. Okay, sonically or lyrically? I think both. Wow. Okay. I know. Because, and here's why. 
I do think that the cohesion has something to do with it. I just think that the songs on this album hit me more mm-hmm. than well they're more adult they're exactly like you know shake it off is a great taylor swift song but would i say it's one of her most genius songs yeah no and- oh that leads me to another theory about how this was written i have a second idea which is basically <laughs> i always have the theories right basically i think like she could have also literally made a list of what fans like and what has been the most successful from all her previous albums and then going into the 10th album been like okay i want to hit on elements that people really like or that hit with people the most and i think she tried to bring the best elements from all her past works together into one album yeah once again she's matured and she's recognized what works for her and what doesn't hence choosing the right singles Mm -hmm. reflecting on those moments in a more adult way Do you think it's better than folklore? I don't know. The lyrics of folklore, in my opinion, are better. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. But as far as sound goes, it would just depend on what I want to listen to, right? Right. Okay. Well, did you notice I got out of I got out of answering your question. You did. I'll I'll let it pass. I'll let it slide cuz I think that I think the cool thing about doing this right now is we have this recorded 10 days after it came out, but by the time we get through the rest of the season, we're going to be in completely different places with these songs, and it would be really interesting to think back on like where we were versus like when we sit with this album for how long we've had with the other albums if we're feeling the same way. Right. All right. Well, I think we should tell the listeners where the season is headed. So I think our overall plan is that... um, Probably not next week, but the week after, mm-hmm. we will start recording regular episodes. Yes. And we have, because of life circumstances, a bit more availability to record this season. Right. So we think we're going to be able to get more piled up, and we would like to get the season out by December 13th. That would be, that's our goal, but... To start putting out episodes. To start putting out episodes, we would like to start. I don't know if we'll have the entire season wrapped up, but that doesn't matter to you guys as long as you have one. (laughs) Yeah, we just need to have enough behind us to make sure we don't get too bogged down (laughs) in the hole. Okay. Okay. This was awesome, Erin. Well, support us on our um, Instagram and the link on our show as well goes to all our things. There's ways you can support us on the Buy Us a Coffee. We got merch. We got some new exciting stuff. And send us messages about your thoughts because we'd love to include them in the future episodes. Yes, please take the midnight survey. It's yeah. also linked in our in all our stuff. And okay? if you just want to send us like a quick DM if you thought of something like that you about a certain song, because we will be going song by song, lyric by lyric, like we have done on our past seasons. So if you think of something that you want us to bring up, please. Mm-hmm. Like please what do those out. lyrics mean? You figured it out. You cracked the code. It was or very you just hard have an me. interpretation. Very hard for me to sit here and not talk about those lyrics right now. <laughs> so it's I'm I'm really excited well, exciting. to get into it. More to come. More to come. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.